Hello, and welcome to Workforce Insights with Employ Milwaukee Podcast. I'm your host, Shaitania Brown, President and CEO of Employ Milwaukee, the local workforce development board serving Milwaukee County. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by not only the secretary for the Department of Workforce Development, but my former boss, Mr. Caleb Frostman. Welcome, Caleb, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, Tani. It's great to hear your voice, and thanks for having me. It's good to be on. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to have a conversation with us. So um, can you just give us a little bit of your background and your role at DWD? When people oftentimes hear the word secretary, they don't really know what the secretary does. And so if you can just give us a little bit of your background and and your role at DWD. Um, The background, uh, I grew up in Green Bay, uh, Wisconsin, went to college in Madison, spent about uh, nine years in banking, and then got involved in economic development uh, in Door County, Wisconsin, and Um, A lot of what we focused on there was workforce development, Uh, and so it's interesting. I I ran for office. I ran for a state Senate seat, uh, and I won my first election and then lost the next one, Um, but with that work in workforce development, when Governor Evers won, he was looking um, for someone to uh, fill uh, the role of secretary at DWD, and so I was very happy and grateful um, to receive that phone call and to be working for Governor Evers, and so my role uh, is to kind of be the working for the governor as his, um, you know, chief um, implementor of his vision for workforce development in Wisconsin through DWD. And so we have a, a team of about 14 or 1600 people uh, across the state of Wisconsin and a bunch of different divisions. We've got six divisions um, helping people with disabilities get jobs, helping enforce uh, workplace rights against discrimination, helping people get hurt in the job. Uh, helping uh, people get training that they need. And of course, uh, it's been pretty highly publicized lately, but um, helping people who are out of work through no fault of their own uh, access unemployment insurance. So um, it's been a very um, fulfilling job, a challenging job. But uh, like I said, I'm really grateful to have a wonderful team of employees um, and to work for a great boss and Governor Evers. So uh, although it's definitely a challenge, um, it's something that I find really fulfilling and I've really enjoyed my time here so far. And I can concur with that. I love the work that uh, we do in this workforce development space. And um, as I left DWD to come take the helm here at Employ Milwaukee, no one could have prepared us for what was to come. And so with the disruption that took place due to the coronavirus, it hit everyone pretty hard. Virtually every employer had to make some sort of adjustment to their operations can you tell us how has that impacted the local unemployment insurance claim system? Yeah, so it's been a you know, pretty um, you know, extraordinary couple of weeks and months. And of course, we've used all the superlatives. It's unprecedented. It's historic. Um, it's all of those things. But you know, just from a quick snapshot, you know, I think maybe the, the most glaring stat that helps start to paint the picture is just that in March, we were at about a 3.1% unemployment rate. And the next month's data in April showed us at a 14% unemployment rate. And so no, no other time than during the Great Depression have we had 14% unemployment in the last 100 years, let alone one month after being at 3%. And so um, you know, we've seen just an incredible claim volume in a very short amount of time. Um, the, the high during the Great Recession was about 10% uh, that was reached over about a two, two and a half year period. Um, so this, this rapid increase is really, um, it is unprecedented and we've been working really hard to, um, stabilize our IT and phone systems, uh, as well as hire, you know, enough staff to do this work. 
you know, we were at 3% unemployment, we were staffed for 3% unemployment. And so we've worked really hard and very quickly to make external hires, to transfer people in DUI, and to sign some external vendors to help with this uh, extraordinary volume of claims and phone calls. And so uh, it's been uh, you know, a quick and substantial uh, impact on our unemployment insurance division. And um, you know, we'll see where the numbers come out for May, uh, but that you know, jump of 11% month over month is nothing we've ever seen before. And hopefully we never see it again because it's really uh, affecting a lot of people, uh, job seekers, workers, uh, businesses, and just our overall state's economy. What additional measures um, has DWD taken um, to help address this huge number? You talk about this, the numbers being unprecedented to um, get things back to normal as possible. What, what would normal look like for DWD in this UI situation? Yeah, great question. So the things we're looking at are, you know, when can we get back to a normal staffing level? And you know, the, the things that we brought on, we brought on uh, four external vendors actually three, but doing four different things. So one of which is a 500 person call center. Um, As of today, they're at about 200, 230 people on the phones. Um, And there's so much more that that happens in unemployment insurance than just taking phone calls. But that's a pretty important uh, piece to make sure people have the information they need, if they can file their claim over the phone. Um, But normal looks like getting through all the questions, getting folks informed, getting the claims filed and being back to where you know, DWD can, can take those phone calls. Uh, the other, we did a call center specifically for one of the federal programs, which is called PUA, or the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance. Uh, and then the other two uh, were the same vendor, but uh, 100 people doing claims processing and 200 adjudicating claims. And so for us, getting back to normal is getting our, our claim volume and our um, you know, time to resolution back to where our staff uh, can be doing that in a timely manner. And, you know, as of right now, with our projections based on the staffing that we're um, bringing on board and planning to, um, you know, we think we'll be back to a place where our normal staff can be doing the work in a timely manner, uh, sometime late summer, early fall. But right now, it's definitely a grind. People are working overtime. The staff is, uh, you know, getting, getting a little weary, but I think we're all relieved to have new people starting. And, you know, this, this first part of June, I think we all feel really good about the seeds we planted in March, April, May. Uh, to come to fruition here in June, July to really help you know, reduce our caseload here going forward. Yeah, I must admit that even myself, I was a little confused between, as you say, PUA, the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance uh, Benefits versus the regular Wisconsin UI benefits. Can you share a little bit about the application process and the distinctions between the two? Absolutely. So the distinction between the two, so unemployment insurance is a state program. Uh, Wisconsin was the first state in the country to have unemployment insurance, but it's really the, the litmus test there is that you're out of work through no fault of your own, but the key is that you are employed at, a, at an employer. You are an employee, not self-employed, not an independent contractor, not a freelancer. And, and that program remains in existence and a lot of people are utilizing it. We've, I think, had about 600,000 people apply for unemployment insurance uh, since COVID hit. And then the idea with the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, or PUA, that is uh, for those other people, the uh, independent contractors, the freelancers, the self-employed, and other people who are out of work that wouldn't otherwise be eligible for, for UI. So uh, the U, uh, state UI application process is mostly done online. Uh, out of all the claims we've received, about 98 or 99% of which have been done online. Uh, it involves putting in um, you know, some prior jobs, prior wage information, 
and then we determine eligibility from there. Uh, whereas PUA, um, we make a determination as to whether you're eligible and then use uh, last year's income information. For PUA, the minimum per week is $163 and the maximum is $370, which is the same maximum for state UI. But if you're eligible for either a dollar of PUA or a dollar of UI, you also get the $600 per week in federal pandemic unemployment compensation, also known as FPUC. Um, so that's been a big uh, help to a lot of people. Uh, every claimant that's received a dollar from us has gotten uh, that FPUC, including uh, backdating as early as early April if their claim started back then. So um, it's been a, you know, certainly a learning process for a lot of us. The, some of these uh, new programs are brand spanking new. Some are kind of uh, dusted off versions of, of prior programs. Um, but we're working really hard to make sure that Wisconsinites can get those benefits uh, that they're entitled to. Yeah, and just thinking back to your background in business and economic development, how does this affect your vision for Wisconsin's workforce development system and its role in the economic prosperity of employers and job seekers? Just thinking about all that has transpired to date. Yeah, it is a challenge. And I, you know, having worked together, um, you know, you're aware of my you know, desire to focus both on the quantity of jobs and the quality of those jobs. And I don't think that necessarily changes. And as, as hard as this is for a lot of people, I think it's also um, a unique opportunity to kind of reset our priorities for uh, both employers uh, and for, for job seekers going forward to make sure that, um, you know, a lot of people have tossed around the phrase that, you know, we're not going to go back to quote unquote normal because normal wasn't working. And um, you know, depending on one's opinion on that or what normal means, um, I think we want to get to a place where people can, you know, not only pay their bills, but save adequately for retirement and, and put aside a rainy day fund. Um, you know, a lot of um, commentaries on uh, you know, irresponsible spending and this, that, and the other thing, but um, you have to make an adequate wage in order to save for those things. A lot of folks are, um, you know, dealing with resource scarcity and just making enough to get by. And so, you know, I think that that plays into, you know, where do we put our training resources and where do we uh, prioritize our programming for um, those higher wage jobs and for, um, you know, ensuring that people, if they put in a hard day's work, they get a, you know, a living wage in return. And so, um, like I said, I think it might shift some of that, you know, prioritization over to the, the quantity side, but still keeping a really strong focus on that quality because we won't get an opportunity like this to have a reset. Uh, hopefully we don't for a long time. Um, no one likes this kind of disruption, but I do think it presents an opportunity to make sure we advocate for, um, you know, living wages for everyone and that if you're going to put in, um, you know, a 40 hour work week, uh, that should be returned with a dignified wage that allows people to, to be self-sufficient and to uh, invest in the quality of their life and in their future. So I, I think it, it might uh, make some slight changes, but I do think it presents a, a pretty special opportunity to continue advocating for uh, job seekers in Wisconsin. Absolutely. Um, and, and so just thinking about kind of sh uh, shifting a little bit uh, from the UI piece, you know, I would be remiss if I did not say anything about what we have experienced over the last couple of weeks. And as you know, there's been weeks, you know, a couple of weeks of large peaceful demonstrations. Um, in at least 600 cities across America as thousands of people protest against systematic racism and police brutality. Workforce training and education are critical tactics um, in addressing employment, income, and wealth disparities that preclude too many minority workers from the economic and family security. 
What state policies align with the supplement border effects in both the public and private sectors to advance and achieve racial and economic equality? That's a great question. And I think it starts with leadership that acknowledges that there is a problem, that systemic racism continues to permeate you know, our societal structures today in 2020, which you know, we've obviously seen um, even before these last couple of weeks, but definitely um, in much sharper focus these last few weeks. And I think uh, Governor Evers and Lieutenant Governor Barnes have been uh, really candid and strong in you know, showing not only an acknowledgement, uh, but also an understanding and a desire to right the wrongs that have been done to communities of color uh, throughout our states and nation's history. And so looking at some of the policies, I mean, I know some of the things that haven't worked, uh, you know, that includes things like defunding our public schools, uh, policies that have led to mass incarceration, which, you know, highly disproportionately affect you know, communities of color and policies that have sold out the American worker through things like, uh, you know, decimation of, of unions and, and those other um, groups that advocate for those living wages. So, you know, what, what can work for us, you know, I think making sure we're adequately investing in public schools um, across the state, but definitely in communities of color, uh, investing in programs, training programs that lead to those living wage opportunities, uh, programs like apprenticeship, um, and also you know, the policies like a higher minimum wage that, like, as I mentioned, you know, it's, it's been a, a firm philosophy of mine that, you know, the, the, the other folks have talked a lot about the dignity born of hard work. And there is dignity in hard work itself, but that has to be, returned with a dignified wage. And it's hard to make it anywhere in Wisconsin on 725 an hour, even if you're working 40 hours a week, even if you're working 50 hours a week, getting 10 hours of, of time and a half, you know, it's just unrealistic and, uh, and you know, frankly, you know, really challenging to, to make it on, on that kind of wage. So those are the policies that, you know, we think about also what can our grant and tax uh, credit programs do for uh, those communities, you know, who benefits from our programs, who's hurt, who's left out, you know, asking those hard questions and, you know, how can we uh, most help those in need and just not stop asking questions and not settling. And, you know, I think there are opportunities to be strong advocates for our, our marginalized communities and to, to be, you know, at the fore again, at this unique opportunity, I think we have to seize it and, you know, not, uh, not compromise um, going forward here. So I think it's a, uh, it's a great question and a great opportunity to, to make some necessary changes. Absolutely, Secretary. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me is that the conversations do not stop around this issue. I believe in the power of work, but I also to believe in the power of a fair wage. So again, I want to thank you for taking the time to share your insights with us today. It was a pleasure for me and Employ Milwaukee to have you on the show. We appreciate all the heavy lifting you and your staff are doing. Do you have any parting words that you want to leave with our listeners? Just thanks to, to Employ and the rest of the workforce boards around the state and all the people uh, you know, doing this really important work. Um, this is a really challenging time for Wisconsin, and I think you know, we're appreciative of, of all the collaboration. And just know that um, you know, the folks at DWD are, are working around the clock to make sure that every eligible claimant in the state get every dollar they're entitled to. Uh, under every program, state or federal, going forward here. So thanks for having us. It's great to, to hear from you, Shaitania. And um, I know employees in great hands, and um, we're excited to work together going forward. Thanks for listening to Workforce Insights, where workforce development is our business. Make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
To learn more about Employ Milwaukee, visit www.employmilwaukee.org. That's www.employmilwaukee.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next time with a new episode.